0: We all know that applying for a job and actually landing the offer are two totally different things. We also know that it's usually the people who already have a friend or mentor within the company that are able to outcompete other candidates for the role and really stand out. At Upskill, their mission is to break the cycle and ensure that every student knows a rockstar friend or mentor who they can prepare with to get insider tips, mock interview prep, and all the additional guidance needed to land that summer internship offer. Log on to connectupscale.com today and get access to their streamlined network of student mentors who have already interned at companies like McKinsey, Google, and Goldman Sachs and are eager to show you how to secure your bag at similar companies all for free. Have you secured an internship already? Or are you working summer this summer? Then you're also eligible to apply to become an upskill coach yourself and help mentor other students who are interested in where you've worked. Spread the love by coaching other students along the way, and they'll pay you up to $60 an hour. Yes, $60 an hour. Log on to connectupskill.com to find out more. That's C-O-N-N-E-C-T-U-P-S-K-I-L-L dot com. Let's democratize job access together. And when you sign up, make sure you let them know who sent you. Now let's get to the show. All right, everyone. Welcome to our season finale of Go with the Flow. I have a very, very special guest in the building, President Eisgruber himself. Welcome to the show, President Eisgruber.
1: Well, Lauren, thank you for having me on the show. I'm I'm. I didn't realize I was uh, part of the concluding episode. So um...
0: yeah, yeah. I, I thought, what well, what better episode to really wrap up the first season? <laughs> but um, just before we get into things, I just want to tell the quick story about how this episode even came about. The date was March 11, so a little over a month ago, and I was out with some friends on Cannon Green throwing a football around, and I saw you walking by, and I'd actually never seen you in person. Oh, I have seen you in person. I'll get to that in a little bit, but you were walking by, and I was like, oh, is that President Eisgruber? And so I just run up to you, and I ask you if, if you'll be on my podcast, and you tell me to email you, and I email you right when I get back to my room, and you get back to me that night saying that you would do it, and now now here we are over a month later. So thank you for that.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm glad you were willing to be patient. I think I even said that when we ran into each other, but uh, I was glad you came up. And I remember that day too, Falarn, because it was just about the first really warm day of the the spring and I wanted to get out and just see students on the campus. And I was was really happy to see folks out finding ways to uh, have fun on the Princeton campus, even in the midst of this pandemic and do it safely.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so the first question that I have asked all my guests so far has been, and so far, I've only had undergraduate guests, but you are Princeton alumni. And so I asked them what the things they are involved in on campus. So taking it back all the way to your Princeton days, could you just tell me about some of the things that you did when you were on campus?
1: Yeah, you mean like extracurriculars? Yes, extracurriculars, yes, yes, yes. uh, Wow, that is going back a long way for (laughs) for me right now. So, you you, know, I was I was involved in uh, um, a student volunteer for a presidential campaign when I was a sophomore Uh, for the John Anderson campaign. He was running as an independent at at that point. I was in uh, what was then a sign in club called uh, Elm Club, uh, which doesn't really exist anymore (laughs) uh, for for my junior year. I did recording for the blind as a volunteer. Some of the stuff sounds so uh, dated right now. Mural <laughs> basketball and and soccer. Um, and I worked on a publication called. Uh, uh, well, it was it was run by something called the Princeton Science Foundation, and and it was a student organization. We had tried to put together a student publication, and it was uh, supposed to publish student research. And for Lauren, it was just so hard to do by comparison to today because. We were publishing from students who were looking to do it, at least with, um, in a magazine called Inquiry, is what we had started. We wanted them from all over the country. But at that point, if you wanted to do that, right, you had to send out like posters to other campuses, and then people would send you stuff in the mail and it would take forever to go back and forth. So it didn't really work and it folded a year after I graduated, but those were some of the activities that I was I was involved
0: with. Gosh, It sounds like just like a lot of us today, you were very involved on campus. <laughs> but I also Princeton. so I
1: yeah
0: so I did a little bit of research and I saw you're Princeton class of 1983. You're from Indiana and you were a physics major. And after Princeton, you were actually a Rhodes Scholar. Um, yeah. And so I was just kind was of just wondering good. how you got from that point to then 30 years later, being the president of Princeton University? How did how did that journey sort of come about?
1: (laughs) Well, as for most people, at least when I talked to them at, you know, 30 plus years out from their uh, graduation, there were unexpected twists and turns along the way. I should say your your research is accurate. Although I was born in Indiana and then went to high school out in Oregon. So I I have connections out there on the On the West Coast, too. But the, um, you know, uh, I I took a class here when I was a sophomore uh, called Constitutional Interpretation. It was then taught by uh, Walter Murphy. Even though I was a physics major, that class just blew my mind. I, I found myself thinking, wow, if I can do this, this is what I want to do for my life, studying the Constitution and making arguments about it. So I thought I wanted to go into the teaching or maybe be a civil rights lawyer. That was the other thing that, that appealed to me. I went to law school. By the time I was done, I knew that I wanted to teach. It never occurred to me that I wanted to go into administration, right? I mean, if, <laughs> when I was a Princeton student, hey, would you ever want to be president of this place? I would have said, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. And, I, and even when I was a faculty member here, and then, and this is where I talk about unexpected twists and turns. There was a point when, when my predecessor, Shirley Tillman, was looking for a second in command to fill the, the position of provost. And her office uh, called me up. And I hadn't thought about the job at all. I was so happy teaching and doing my research and just thought I had the best job in the world. And her office called me up and said, the president, uh, Shirley Tillman, wants to talk to you about the search for the provost. And I, and could you come in for lunch tomorrow? And I went home to my wife and I said, this is really kind of crazy. Why does she want to talk to me over a Because you know, she wants my views, she could just ask me on the phone. And then uh, uh, Shirley said over lunch that that she was interested in having me as her her provost. Uh, and I nearly choked on my tuna salad eating <laughs> because I hadn't thought about this. And I, and I even went home to my wife and I said, I, I really, you know, I'm, I'm very honored, but I don't think I can do this because I'm so happy doing what I'm doing. But I what I decided was uh, I admired Shirley Tillman and the work she was doing. I love Princeton University. It was an opportunity to do something different from what I what I was doing before and, and where I could really learn some things that I wouldn't otherwise learn. So I said, let's give this a try. And if it doesn't work out, I can go back and, and teach and learn. So that took me into academic administration and eventually led to where I am now.
0: Gotcha. And that actually sort of transitions into my next question. And I think one of the things that I'm most fascinated with about your job is just the the nature of it and the fact that you can't always keep everybody happy. So in high school, my only job all four years was being a soccer referee. And I always say that that is the most thankless job ever because even when I do a fantastic job, there's always going to be one side of people that are always annoyed at me regardless of whatever the outcome of the game is. And so I was just kind of kind of curious. Do you ever think your job is thankless? And if so, how are you still able to show up every day and still put your best foot forward?
1: Wow, that, that's a great question. And I like the, the uh, soccer referee analogy. And it is true and, and you know, feels more intense in the course of this pandemic that, you uh, you have to make all these tough choices and, and you're right. Just like when you're making a call as a referee, you're not going to make everybody happy with the choices that you make. Lauren, I, I think one thing that may be different between being president and being a soccer referee is that my job isn't literally thankless. There are people who, thank me. right. Yeah. <laughs> that helps. And it really, I, I, I think, I think there are two things. I, I said earlier, uh, you know, I love this university. I feel like this university changed my life, right? It was transformative for me. It actually kind of did it twice because it did it as a student. And then I came back as a faculty member and, and realized that it had given me all these opportunities. And, and and that love that I feel for the university makes a lot of difference. And then there, and there are lots of other people who love this university, right? And they love the university in a way where um, they are willing to say thank you sometimes, even when they disagree and, and uh, you know, they're, they're willing to be supportive and they come together, even in tough times. And so that, for me, is what really makes the job uh, doable. I feel like, I, I sometimes say this when I'm talking to alumni now during the, the pandemic, and I'm just looking at all these Zoom squares on a screen because we can't come together, um, and, and I say, look, it really matters to me to know that Tiger Nation is out there. Right. And there are all these people who want Princeton University to uh, succeed. And I don't think as a soccer referee, you get that right. Not, a, not at all. <laughs> you hear it when they're upset with you. But, but you know, not many people cheer the referee. So I think that's actually a harder job.
0: Wow. Okay, I'm gonna. That's my biggest takeaway from this. Is I had a <laughs> h- harder job in high school than you did. Yeah,
1: soccer referee is tough.
0: <laughs> and you might have just answered the next question that I have. But so, what would you say is probably the most rewarding part of your job?
1: Yeah. I. I well, I, I guess what I would say more uh, more specifically than that is, I think the most rewarding parts of these jobs are um, helping other people to to succeed and flourish. I think that's what you gotta want to do in order to go into academic administration. Uh, um, you're always asking this question, uh, you know. What can I do to in order in order to enable the talented people on this campus to fulfill their uh, potential? And as you say, you got to make tough decisions in order to be able to uh, to do that. But then you get to see people succeeding, and and some of that, you know, you talked about the afternoon where we met. Part of the reason I I, I want to go out and like take the walk that afternoon is so that I can see the people who are you know, doing things on this campus and feeling good about it, right? And and so there, there are things like, um, you know, these are high moments when when one of our athletic teams is celebrating a championship or when our faculty members has won a Nobel prize, right? We have these these rare moments on our campus where somebody wins a great prize and then everybody comes together around them, right? And, and um, if I could just tell a little story off of this, right? Our most recent Nobel prize winner was Jim Peebles, uh, who who was uh, a physicist who actually taught the a couple of the classes and supervised my J.P. He did not remember me, which actually <laughs> I did in those classes. I'm actually <laughs> kind of glad about. But but uh, he was our um, our most recent Nobel laureate, and and to you know see the um, the the kind of happiness. In the, in the community about his achievement and his recognition and to be able to celebrate that now as president of the university for somebody who had actually taught me when I was a student. I mean, those are kind of the high point moments.
0: Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. I would say one thing I always say is one of my favorite things about this university is the small size of it and the fact that it really does feel like a community. So whenever one of my friends does something great, it's everyone celebrating their achievements, whether it's in the classroom or on the sports field or just anywhere it might be. So I definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, And so just sort of transitioning into this COVID year that we're having. The probably the the uh, the most interesting year you've you've been president of the university. I remember it. is
1: one word for a <laughs> modern, yeah. Go
0: ahead. <laughs> yeah, but I remember. So it was my senior spring, and I was at Princeton Preview, and it was my first time actually being in the same room as you. And you were addressing us addressing us in Richardson Auditorium, and you said something that stuck with me to this day. You said that, and you actually just said it a few minutes ago. You said Princeton wouldn't be the most our college isn't supposed to be the most fun years most fun four years, but it should be the most transformative four years um, of your of your life, probably, and so that is one thing that stuck with me. And so I just want to kind of relate that to this year in general. What would you say um, the largest impact that COVID has had on, but both higher education and Princeton will be going forward? Like, what is the biggest transformation? Do you think it's something as simple as classes always being always being recorded, or something like we saw last week where the acceptance rate might be just. A little bit lower than it's been in the past?
1: Yeah, for Lauren, that, that's a really good question. And I'm not sure I know the answer to it uh, yet. Um, so let me just kind of think out loud a little bit about it for a moment. Um, you, you know, one of the things that that some people were predicting at the beginning was that, well, this will push more of education online, right? There had been some people who were thinking, You know why are we doing all this uh, on campuses and in buildings? Uh, You you can do more online, and and wouldn't that be more efficient and less expensive? I think we've learned the opposite of that. I mean, I'm worried that there will be people who try to uh, push things online. But one thing that really impressed me uh, about um, you know what we were hearing from Princeton students over the course of this year was that it became clear as we were planning for the spring semester that our students wanted to come back onto the campus. And they wanted to come back onto the campus understanding all the restrictions that were gonna be on, on place and, and really credibly promising to, to uh, comply with those restrictions. And I have to say, students have been fantastic, which is why our, our rates have been uh, low and we've been able to, to keep operating in the way that we've wanted to to do. But that really taught me something that, you know, wow, all the things that I used to talk about, about what was great about being on the campus. I mean, the in-person teaching, the extracurricular events, the the kind of, you know, schmoozing sessions around dining room tables or at eating clubs, uh, those things aren't happening. Our students get it and they want to be here and it really matters to them to be here together and it made me think the residential experience is even more important to the education that we provide than i had previously appreciated and i thought it was really important i was never a believer that you could just do it online so i think for me a lot of that residential has been reinforced and i worry that there are people who are going to say well look they all went online and and we had to do that right we went online to save lives because there was a pandemic that was killing You know, a half a million Americans already. So we had to go online. And yes, we can do that, but we we we've got to bring back the residential as quickly as we can can bring it back. I you know, I do think we can learn some things, I hope, about how to combine the two, right? We can do things, right? So it's easier for me to have this conversation with you, right? If we had to say, all right, you know, I gotta meet you in some studio. in the middle of the day all of a sudden this becomes you know two hours rather than one i'm mm-hmm. teaching in seminar this um this semester i we're, we're doing it in person but i had um brad smith from microsoft and anthony romero from the aclu beam in right those things i think we can we can do more easily in the future there are ways that maybe we can cut down on some of the things that involve jet travel and and you know, harm our environment where we think, all right, if we're going to communicate with people, we got to go see them. Sometimes you do, but sometimes you, you don't. So, um, so I hope we can retain those things, but I, I think you're right to ask the question. There may be bigger changes than, than uh, what I'm imagining right now, but, but for me at least, I think, okay, let, let's, let's ask the questions where on the margins we can learn things, but not, let's not Um, Forget how important that core is and that education is a human face to face enterprise and we got to get we got to get back to the face to face and the full interaction as quickly as we can.
0: Yeah, and I could definitely speak firsthand to that because I remember when we got sent home last March. Um, I was in five classes that I was really enjoying and I was getting so much out of. And then when that transition to Zoom happened, it just became so much harder to actually retain anything from the classes. And I sort of reverted yeah. back to my previous high school mindset of, oh, I'm just sort of doing this for the grade. And so I could definitely, definitely say that the in-person learning experience is something that that definitely matters to a lot of us. And even just like you said, the social interactions that we have, although this semester has looked very different, it's still nice to be able to just walk to Firestone and on the way bumping some of my friends Or be walking down Nassau Street and bumping to some of my friends so all of that really does make a difference and I could say I'm going to speak for most students when I say we are looking forward to things getting back to normal as, as soon as possible.
1: Me too and I'm glad to hear that and I just think again it's reinforced how important it is to be a part of a community when you're when you're learning And and for me too right I you know I I can resonate to a conversation online, but I can do it much more if we're if we're in person together. And a lot of uh, teaching and learning is about that engagement and inspiration.
0: Yeah, and so you kind of again touched on uh, the next question that I want to ask. Um, so, our COVID rates this year have been. Extremely low. Um, I know that when it was the fall semester and we saw, I, I was looking at some of my friends at other schools and around the country and seeing how they were having a lot of outbreaks and having to shut down. And even Duke University, as recently as about a month ago, had to shut down their whole campus for a week. Have you been surprised by how compliant we've been?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I have not been surprised. I've been proud. I, I mean, uh, uh, I, I think you know, Princeton students impress me, and and I, I think what we heard uh, as we were talking to um, you know, the student uh, government leadership and as we were surveying Princeton students is that Princeton students understood that they wanted to come back and they understood what it would mean to, uh, to come back. So I, I, I guess I would say, uh, I'm not sure if this counts as surprise, but Princeton students have exceeded even my high expectations in how well they've uh, handled this and, and how consistently, I think, in, in a way, you were talking earlier, Florin, about um, the way our community is small and people know each other and they support each other. I think that's been part of it. I mean, people have really worked together and we haven't had, you know, some groups because the, the terrible thing about this pandemic and the way it plays out on college is if there's one small group that is, that is irresponsible in some way, right, and throws a big party under the wrong circumstances, all of a sudden you can have spread where you have to quarantine the entire campus. So you mentioned Duke, but I think... Right now, I mean, even as it feels like we're getting into the spring and people are getting vaccinated and so on, but I think Wayne State, the University of Chicago, Bates College, I think they're all in quarantine at the moment because, again, some groups have done something. So, Princeton students have been great. We've got to we've got to run through the tape, right? To, <laughs> to use a track metaphor, but the um, because there's still a lot of. Um, a virus spreading around there but but it's been impressive and I think it's something we can all be proud of
0: yeah and um this I don't know how much you could probably answer but do you know what the potential timeline is to actually have vaccinations on campus
1: yeah I what I would say about that so no the the, the short answer is no because um we are working with the state we have told the state uh uh, that w- we are ready and, and we could do it in a heartbeat to host clinics in Jadwin Gym. Our, um, uh, our ability to do that depends on the state allocating vaccine uh, to us uh, for that purpose. And you know, I, the, the state has rightly set up uh, priorities uh, based on getting vaccine to the most vulnerable groups and the, the, the groups that, that most uh, need it in the state. and. If they tell us Princeton University, uh, given the supplies, isn't yet uh, at that point, I get that, right? So, you know, I went off this weekend actually. I finally got vaccinated on uh, Saturday. I went off to the Atlantic City mega site and, and got jabbed there. I would just urge everybody to, to get jabbed where you, where you can. Um, we are continuing to work. We would love to be able to host some sort of clinic on the Princeton campus. You know, frankly, I think the current pause with regard to the J and J vaccine makes that a little bit less likely, just because it means the the vaccine supplies are down again. Which, uh, but look, if we can do it, we will. I think we could do it really well. I mean, you've seen what we do at Flu Fest and other things. So uh, we'll see. But I, but for that reason, I, we're telling everybody, our faculty, our staff, our students, don't count on us and don't wait on us to have the vaccine. Find it where you can find it and and uh, get the injection.
0: Yeah, and we we have not. I actually have my second dose next week. <laughs> All
1: right. Hey, yeah, congratulations. And I know
0: a lot of Fantastic. other Yeah, a lot of other students have also been going wherever we can cuz like I said, we are just looking forward to getting getting past this as soon as possible.
1: Uh, me too. Well, that's again, that's exactly what we want people to be doing, so uh well done. Congratulations.
0: Thank you. Um and so my next question sort of transitions into this more more about the student perspective on the semester because I would say while a lot of people have been happy to be back, obviously there have been some complaints from students. A few have been about our two day spring break, which (laughs) I put in quotations because I don't know if it counted as a spring break. Um, And then also just like the overall strictness of things on campus. So I guess the first question is what sort of, not a guarantee, but I just know that it's been, it's been a hard semester because of how compacted everything's been. So, what sort of like guarantees can we get that we will not have another two day spring break in the future? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I got to tell you, um, none of us none of us like a two day spring break. That's true for the faculty and the administration as well as students. You know, uh, I I think you were alluding to this earlier, Flora. And this this has been a, a hard semester. It's been a historic semester, right? I mean, when you talked about the transformations that it put. Princeton through it's put human beings through it's put our society and our country um, through and I as I said I think we've risen we as a community as a Princeton community including our students have risen to the uh, challenge but I don't want to underestimate how challenging that's uh, been and how hard it's been for uh people we what we felt going into the semester and and again students have been great in understanding this and helping with it is that we almost had to literally create an orange bubble on the campus right so when you arrived whether it was from uh you know i don't know whether you were coming from asia or whether you were coming from west windsor new jersey right you were arriving on our campus you were you were quarantining you were being tested it was almost like you had crossed a border and then then once you were inside the border um, we had our own controls that made this as much like New Zealand as we could, right? We wanted to keep the rates down as close to zero, and, and that's why we haven't had to have a lockdown or other kind of quarantine that would be really unpleasant. And we felt because of that, all right, look, we've got to run this through. This is a really hard thing to do. If you start having people traveling off campus, if you have temptations to do that, then, then you're going to break that bubble, and uh, at that point, as I said earlier, uh, you know, a few people making some uh, mistakes could cost the entire campus. So we've had to do some really tough stuff uh, as a result of that. I really appreciate the way people have stepped up to it. I'm pretty optimistic about uh, the fall for Lauren and about our being out of this. We haven't ever had to do this in the past. I don't expect to, and I don't want to do it in again. Uh, you, you know, last spring, nearly exactly a year ago, I think we were all hoping and praying for Vaccines. We got the vaccines. We got them faster than we have ever gotten vaccines in the history of, you know, humanity. For, for this, and now we've got to lean into making things more normal. So, I, I wish I could promise with absolute certainty that we were back to, you know, complete normality. Um, I can't make those promises because we've just seen too many unexpected things happen. But I'll tell you what we are planning for is, is a regular calendar next year. We're planning for in-person and, and we're leaning into that. And we recognize that it puts a lot of stress on. So you know, I, if, if someone tells me, look, the fall is gonna be something where in a lot of settings, we're gonna still have to wear masks. Okay, right, I think you could wear masks if you're indoor in a lectures or something like that. If someone tells me, um, all right, the fall, we may still have to have surveillance testing, meaning we're all gonna spit into tubes. A couple of times a week okay we can do that right we've learned how to do that i agree with you right if it's if it's social distancing or if we're going to say well we're going to have to mess with the calendar again we we need to push back and and see if we can find ways to make that more normal so that's the commitment i can make and just say look we understand those stresses we're we're going to try to to make things as normal as possible and we're going to try to get back to um, a calendar where where we can all achieve at the levels because you need those breaks to achieve right as well as yeah. To decompress.
0: Yeah and you you mentioned an orange bubble and I think um, we were probably pretty successful in creating such a bubble. And so I actually work at Dylan Jim. I work at the front desk shout out to Dylan Jim the best job to have on campus. And I know that one of the things that I really liked was the fact that, from, I think it was like week three to week four, like there was a little bit of a capacity increase. So just a little bit of flexibility and adjustment. And I think a lot of people were sort of hoping for that same sort of adjustment and flexibility as we went through. But would you say that the reason that that didn't come is for the fear that if we did adjust things that that would probably lead to some sort of outbreak on campus?
1: Yes, that, that's exactly right, Flaren. And I, you know, um, I, I don't know every detail here, but I, uh, conversations with my friend and the vice president for uh, Campus Life, uh, Rochelle Calhoun. I know she has been, uh, and she and her team have been adjusting uh, some of the limits around things like uh, organized and supervised group activities. So um, there may not have been all of the loosening that one might have hoped for or anticipated, but we've been able to do some, right, to allow, I think there was a recent loosening, for example, and this would have affected what you're doing at Dillon, recent loosening around uh club sports and the circumstances under which club sports may be able to gather right uh or or um acapella or music groups that and again i don't have the exact details so forgive me if i've gotten a little bit wrong around that but i I would say you you know if 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 i were to ask where did i really see surprises right that were disappointing over the course of the term it wasn't with our our students in any way or the on-campus behavior uh, but I would have expected that after February, we just would have seen uh, case rates drop in the state of New Jersey, right? But right now, even though we're seeing New Jersey vaccinated at a pretty good clip, we're also seeing uh, partly as a result of the variants and partly for reasons that I don't think people can quite explain, higher case rates. And that's what's having to keep things tight, right? We we What we, what we feel is... Um, if we let those uh, those limits out, then you run the risk of being where Chicago and Bates, as I understand it, have been this week or where Duke was. And and that's not where we wanna be, right? I don't wanna, we don't wanna be in a situation where if I take that walk on a sunny day, folks can't be outside. And so that's that unfortunately is the downside. That's what we're coping.
0: Yeah, and you are correct in, in your assessment of club sports. I'm on the men's club soccer team and we've been able to have practices in the bubble I think the first one being a week ago. So yeah, oh, okay, a, a right. yeah, little bit of changes.
1: Yeah, a little bit of changes. We've had to be very careful about it, and 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 probably. I mean, I don't foresee a lot of loosening in the near future, just because the case rates are are so high in New Jersey right now. So that's that's the challenge. But look, the, you know, the good news is at least we can do stuff outside. We've we've been able to loosen uh, somewhat, and and I think we are on the path to more normal. But um, we we don't want to after all the great work that's been done by by students and others over the course of this semester. We don't want to end on a low note with uh, uh, you know in a, a quarantine. So that that's why we're still in in place with all these restrictions.
0: Yeah, and so so my last question on things that have been making people a little bit unhappy. Um, what would you say to people who would say that the punishments this year for breaking the social contract have been a little too strict?
1: Look, I, I you know I I think. Uh, Again, in circumstances where um, a small amount of uh, kind of um, I don't know reckless behavior by a few individuals can shut down a campus for everybody, we've got to take that very seriously. So we were really clear about that up front uh, with folks. That's an obligation that uh, students uh, took on. And, and I will tell you one of the things that we learned over the course of the fall because we, we spent, well, the fall study what was going on, on our seven or eight campuses that were reasonably comparable to our own was that either you react quickly when there are violations. Or they spread right I mean there's there just really no ambiguity about that and and we thought in the interest of fairness it's important when when some people are complying and others are not to uh, really be firm about that so. Uh, again it's part of a tough situation that none of us want to be in but but I think we've taken the
0: right policy about that. Gotcha. Um, And so just transitioning a little bit um, to the topic of the eating clubs. Um, So you said that when you were on campus, you were in in an eating club. And so you understand the the key role that they play on campus, both uh, socially and also just like for meals (laughs) they're important to a little bit of better food so I know that I'm someone so I joined um Ivy like my sophomore spring right before we got kicked off and I've now at this point lost a whole year in the club which is it's very disheartening every time I think about it I get a little bit sad so just looking forward to next year um because you understand the crucial role that they play on the campus so when you say that things are expected to be back to normal does that also include the functioning of the eating clubs?
1: Oh, uh, uh, short answer is yes to that, although I can't, again, I can't promise that full on our, you know, our, our number one priority is uh, uh, getting our uh, teaching and research back to in person and up and running. And with that, a full residential program, right, I want to see our athletic teams competing, I want to see our um, our our musicians and actors uh, on the stage, we're leaning into that. Uh, but, but you're right. Um, look, we, an important part of the Princeton experience is just kind of the informal interactions that take place as, as people break bread together, right? And and that includes the the eating clubs, and I know how important they are in the, the life of our students. And by the way, I should say, I, I really appreciate that, that our clubs worked with us to uh, create an arrangement where they did stay closed over this semester because You know you're correct there's real loss there for our students but that is one of the things that has been utterly critical to uh, being able to get through this period uh, without any of these campus wide uh quarantines so i appreciate that i want the clubs to be open in the in the fall i can't make any promises around that but but i do appreciate that and then for me that's part of what it means for princeton to be back to a normal campus because those things are so important and i want that you know for our co-ops and our other uh, eating arrangements are dining halls so that students can be interacting there. I, I should say I was in Elm my my junior year. I was in Spelman as an independent. I don't know how I survived in Spelman because I think I cooked the same thing like <laughs> a week. But uh, but I I believe it's really important that there are a lot of paths through Princeton. Different students resonate to to different opportunities. But we got to open all those paths back up, right? And exactly. I do, I do appreciate the eating clubs are a part of that.
0: Yeah, and I'm actually in Spelman right now as we speak, oh, so are. I think this might mean okay. that my path is to be the president of the university, maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah, that could be, think be good. All right, so what are you? Are, are you a good cook?
0: I am not a good cook, so actually, I lived off campus, uh, right off Nassau Street, my first semester, and I did the whole making all my meals thing. And I realized it, like you said, I had like the same four things that I would rotate through. And so right now, although I'm in Spelman, I'm on the meal plan because it's just so much more convenient to be able to go get food as opposed to cooking all my meals.
1: Yeah, I wish I had been on the meal plan my senior year. I've gotten much better at cooking since I uh, since I graduated. So there is lifelong learning that goes on, but Spelman. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And so the the next thing that I wanted to ask you about is our class of twenty twenty four, actually. Because I had I've had one freshman on the podcast so far, and I really haven't been able to interact much with a lot of the freshmen. But I from what he said and from what I would assume, they really haven't been able to transition into Princeton like the way a lot of us would, because we 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 had more regular years. And so I know a lot of them are still at the point where they're they're worried that first of all, they're not going to be able to make friends and meet new people and just get the sort of college transition that they normally would. And so do you think that there would be any special programs in place for the class of 2024 next year for them to to transition how they might have if things were a little more regular this year?
1: You know, that's a great question, Lauren, and I'll, I'll relay it along to our uh, friends and the dean of the college office and, and campus life. I'm sure they're thinking about those kinds of uh, questions. Um, as I may have mentioned earlier, I'm teaching a freshman seminar this semester, so I'm, I'm seeing uh, 12 freshmen twice a week, uh, you know, I'm, I'm impressed. I think they're doing a, a great job in, in gelling and uh, dealing with, with challenges that none of us ever anticipated, just the way you and your classmates are and, and all of us on the campus are, I, uh, you, you know, you asked about the transformative effects of this year. And I, you know, my guess is that that not only the class of 2024, but all of our Princeton students who have uh, been through this, although they, they've they lost uh, things that are really important and there's no gain saying this and none of us would ever wish for that. I also think they've learned things that that are different from what other classes have learned and will come through it stronger as a consequence of that. So, you know, I have great optimism for all of our uh, classes who are on the campus right now I have Great belief in the strength of twenty twenty four. They they also you know freshman year was always a hard year. It was a hard year for me. It, it it's a hard year for lots of people. I mean I, as I, mentioned earlier, and I noted I came here from Oregon. I came all the way across the country. I'd never been in New Jersey before. Uh, uh, it really felt like a foreign experience, and it took a year to adjust. And all all that stuff gets harder, right? If you If you're not here for the first half of the year, or for some of them, if you're still studying remotely, or if you're doing it in a pandemic and your your interactions are are limited, so yes, I I think we'll have to be attentive to that. But I also think that 2024 has been resourceful and creative about finding new ways to connect. And some you know they've also they've found ways to to create connection that are different from the way entering freshman classes have done before my guess is when they emerge just as our other senior classes do at the end of all this we're going to look at them and say wow they took all that and and found a way uh to be even stronger but but i agree we're all going to have to think about we're going to be so happy this is done but in some ways it won't be done right because there's going to be a tail and we got to think about okay we all came through this and now what does that mean for how we how we go forward
0: yeah and I again just like you said how a lot of us have had to adjust and learn learn things about ourselves during these times and, and just trend, just be able to adjust to the time being I can also relate to that because when I was living off campus uh in the first semester and there were some other people around some of my other friends around we did little things like cooking dinners for each other and just having yeah. having meals together which we would never have gotten to do if we were on campus and it just it was us adjusting as well as we could and it was a a a different a different uh, vibe or a different setting per se that we didn't think we would have to adjust to, but we were able to do and actually enjoy those little things. Like now some of my friends know that I'm a bad cook and that in the future, I will just be paying <laughs> for dinner instead of actually cooking for anybody.
1: <laughs> well, I think, and I think figuring out how we preserve some of some of those things, right? I mean, uh, you know, the pandemic forced a lot of us to slow down in ways we don't want to slow down, but it also, and I think your, your story about preparing uh, dinner for your friends illustrates this it forced us to slow down in some ways that it would be good if we could preserve right I mean I you know for me one of the things that's been nice is uh, my wife and I met in uh, uh, law school back in you know the late 1980s and I think we've had dinner together well I'm certain of it more often during this past year in the in the pandemic uh, than um, at any other point in our in our kind of uh, two-career marriage where we were always on the go. And so asking, okay, you know, how do we continue to carve out time for that's going to be an important thing. And I think all of us in our lives are going to have those kinds of questions, right? Are there things we learned that we can preserve? That's going to be important too.
0: Yeah, and so I'm, as we are winding now, because I know you said 45 minutes. Yep. But um, so for our incoming class of 2025, who have just been accepted to Princeton with the lowest acceptance rate ever, if <laughs> any of them might happen to be listening right now, what would you tell them to look forward to about coming in next year?
1: Yeah, well, I... Look, if any of them happen to be listening, I, I, I wanna uh, congratulate them. And, and you know, it's a, it is a spectacular uh, class with uh, people coming from an extraordinary variety of uh, backgrounds. Um, I, I think what they can look forward to for Lauren is is exactly the sort of thing that we were discussing, a, a community that is really uh, special where uh, they will have chances once again to, to get to know one another in person to connect in human ways, uh, to uh, with their classmates and and with faculty members. I, I guess, um, looking for a way to sum up the, the lessons of the pandemic, I, I would say, you know, it's taught us about the importance of connecting in human ways, right? And that's true about your story about you know making dinner for friends. It's true when we think about what it is we've lost, right? We've lost some of those abilities to connect in human ways and now i think as we come in with a profounder consciousness of this and 2025 comes in with a profounder consciousness pro- profounder consciousness of that human connection well that's the essence of a place like princeton so you know think about how you're going to uh, take advantage of that uh, think about uh, i always think this is good advice for for incoming students um, you know, going to office hours, getting to know your faculty members, recognizing what you were describing earlier, how much it matters to be in the classroom, have those, those human interactions. Think about how special it is to be on this uh, campus where you're just bumping into people that you might not otherwise uh, meet and, and and think about how, how do you get to know people who might not be in your social circle or might not be the person who you really think you would, would have a bond with uh, the great thing about being part of a campus community, the thing that we need to restore, the thing that we've lost is the ability to have those conversations across differences and boundaries.
0: Gosh, and that is a very, very good answer. And so sort of the last thing that I want to do with you is, so usually when I have other students on, we do a Tiger confession section where we go on talk. Do you know what Tiger Confessions is, by the way?
1: No, oh, what a Tiger.
0: Tiger Confessions.
1: Oh yeah, I, I th- yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. So usually we read some posts on there and just like offer advice about that. But for you, I want to do something a little bit, a little bit different and just ask okay, you some, yeah, okay, rapid, <laughs> some rapid fire questions and you don't have okay. to like explain your answer. You could just say okay. the answer and that'll be it. So first question, what is your go-to order at Olives?
1: Oh, my go-to order at Olives is the burrito.
0: Burrito. Okay. What is your favorite restaurant in town?
1: Uh, uh, Blue Point Grill
0: blue point grill good answer uh what is your go-to either musical artist or podcast to listen to
1: so it's lake street dive i don't know if you know lake street dive but they're they're like alt americana they're great lake street dive
0: um favorite sports team
1: chicago cubs aside from the princeton tigers of course of course
0: of course <laughs> <the> Chicago
1: Cubs. <laughs> your
0: dream vacation destination
1: Oh, I want to get back to London. My wife and I, my wife and I go over or used to go over there pre-pandemic. So mm. London.
0: Um, when you do have to cook, what is your go-to meal that you don't mess up ever?
1: Oh, that I don't mess up ever. Well, I so I do roast duck actually, which Ooh. is my uh specialty. So I cook all the time now. Um I still mess up. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> um if you have an answer to this what is the last tv show or movie that you really enjoyed
1: oh i do uh have an answer you know my wife and i this is the other another one of these weird pandemic things so uh we've been like binge watching british mysteries so there's a, a series called line of duty okay right?
0: never heard of it but i will i will note that down <laughs> and the last question um your three dream dinner guests that are alive
1: oh my gosh Oh, wow, my three dream dinner guests, gosh, uh, well, so I I actually, so I would go with with some uh, Supreme Court justices, actually, since I've studied the the Constitution, and maybe, you know, I'll put James Madison on this list since, you know, he helped to write the Constitution, (laughs) Louis Brandeis from the middle and maybe Sonia Sotomayor, my uh, friend uh, who who serves on the court right now. So that would be a pretty fascinating conversation to uh, have together.
0: Okay, I like that answer. Um, and so just just in in wrapping this up. It be a first, weird
1: conversation. But-
0: <laughs> <laughs> in wrapping this up, I just wanted to, first of all, float this idea by you really quick. You don't even have to answer to it. But I think that the next time that we, we are able to have a fully in-person reunions, you should extend reunions to a whole month and allow the classes of 2020 to the classes of 2024 to just stay on campus and have a month-long reunions period to make up for the year and a half we just lost. So that's just an idea that I'm going to float by to you don't have to take it up but it's now you've now you've heard it
1: that is an amazing idea and it's fun to be able to think about the things that we're going to be able to do once we're post-pandemic
0: exactly for sure but um we are just right about 45 minutes president eisgruber thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to me this this i've really enjoyed this conversation i hope everyone else enjoys it too and really gets to see a different side of you that they might not have gotten to see before
1: well, Lauren, I, I am so glad. I see, So this this so illustrates what goes on on a college campus, right? I mean, I took that walk. You just happened to be out there. You took the initiative and and said hello. This was a lot of fun and you're really good at this. So uh, thank you for having me as a guest.
0: Thank you so much. And you said that I'm really good at this. So you should you tell the university good. someone to help me propo- promote my podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay, I will do that. All right. All
0: right. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. You too.
0: Bye. Well, there you have it. Season finale of Go With The Flow, episode 13 with President Eisgruber. Um, I think everyone probably has opinions about questions that I could have asked, should have asked, didn't ask, but I'm pretty happy overall with how that episode turned out and even more happy about how this whole season turned out. When I started this and recorded the first episode at the end of January, I I, I didn't think that I would go 13 episodes strong, be able to end the season with president Eisgruber and just have the overall growth that I did so it's been really cool to see something that I've wanted to do for a while come come into fruition and yeah I'm ex- I'm excited for for what's in store for this I might do more episodes over the summer also might not might just wait until until we're back in the fall but this has been a really fun project for me something that like i said in the intro episode as long as there's people who will be guests on the show i will keep doing so yeah this if this is your first episode listening thank you for listening go check out all the other episodes um, tell a friend to tell a friend um, and yeah this is this has been this has been season 1 of, of go with the flow and i hope i hope y'all enjoy it, and let's all just keep keep going with the flow thank you